This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, you're still at home. Just you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. Paint painting the fence. Painting are you are you fence. painting the fence today? Apparently, and you you've been doing stuff too. I I ran into my neighbor from ten feet away and he said that uh it is true. Everybody's gonna have the best their houses are gonna be in the best shape ever after this uh after this uh, is all over, if I, you're in a single family home. Honestly, I've been I've been doing so much so much gardening. I've got uh, I've painted parts of the exterior of my house. I almost rebuilt my shed today. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it could be a it could be a beautiful summer around around the city. In fact, I actually just a quick story. I was I was sitting out yesterday in the front yard, and a young woman cycling by. Uh, I was with with my daughter Ivy, and she stopped and she took a photo of us, and she said that she is out driving around Vancouver, doing I guess it's like a photo editorial of people and how they spend their times uh, on their property. So I guess on their balconies or in their yards around Vancouver right now. But basically, she's taking photos of people in isolation. Weird. So you might be famous. Yeah, I doubt it. But I might be on a blog somewhere. <laughs> Not sure where. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, hey, who do we got on the show this week? We got David Hutniak on the show. Yeah. He's the CEO of Landlord BC. Really enjoyed this conversation with David. Uh, super bright guy and really, really useful information. They they are a uh, group, uh, Landlord BC, that has thirty over 3,300 members. Um, and obviously, they're focusing on landlord-tenant relations in, in the province of British Columbia. Right, and the the interesting thing about Landlord BC is they've been around for a long time. They're very important. They put out tons of useful information uh, from anyone who has, uh, well, anyone who's an aspiring landlord to somebody who has one, two, three doors to some of the largest uh, property owners in the province. All our members all benefit from uh, being a part of Landlord BC, but. What's almost more surprising than anything, we had them on to talk about uh, the situation, obviously, with COVID-19. We had David on. But that we haven't had him on before is almost, uh, it's inexplicable. Well, according to David, he may not be back. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, I think I think he had, I think he had fun, but at the end he did say that. Uh, well, wait, wait for the advice that he'd give him his eighteen-year-old <laughs> self. <'cause laughs> advice he'd give his eighteen-year-old self. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, but I really enjoyed this. Yeah, well, it's a great conversation, and they are putting out a lot of information. They do have a newsletter. Um, their website is uh, up to date on uh, resources for people involved in landlording in regards to COVID-19. I think they're updating it daily. So yep. uh, it's definitely a good organization to be aware of. And this was a, a fantastic conversation. For sure. Check out landlordbc.ca. And uh, Matt, before we get to our conversation with David, you were, you've got a tip from Oakwin, our brokerage. Oakwin Realty, yes, that's our brokerage. Uh, best in the business, no doubt about it. Fantastic place uh, to to work and uh, fantastic community of people. The Oakwin tip this week is, did you know that additional GST may be applicable on flipped, quote-unquote, properties where new properties which have just completed are resold? Make sure to ask your realtor or accountant what this could mean for you. Uh, so in this case... This has been around for the last couple of years where properties, uh, GST is paid at completion on a new property, but if it's turned around and sold, uh, there is potentially GST paid a second time. And a lot of people have got caught in this situation, not knowing that they're on the hook for 5% of the purchase price when they thought the GST had been paid. So you definitely want to be aware of this if you're looking at either selling or buying a new property. And uh, or a heavily renovated one, or, or a heavily renovated one, and you want to talk with uh, your realtor, your lawyer, and your accountant to make sure you have uh, a good team there giving good advice. Yeah, Matt, and we always have our tip as well. And this week, I just want to shout out a local designer named Andrea Wong, who uh, I believe her shop is in Gastown or Chinatown, but um, her website is awbyandreawong.com, and she is actually making face masks right now. And she's selling them on the site. I think they're really inexpensive, about $10 or so, but they're they're quite beautiful. Um, and she's shipping them out. So if you are looking to get a face mask, and, and you and I were talking about this this morning. I think, um, uh, obviously, we're not uh, epidemiologists or doctors, but uh, there's, there's a talk about face masks, um, even though you're not preventing uh, get, catching COVID-19 from other people. You're, you're helping prevent the spread of the disease from yourself to other people if you wear a face mask. That's right. And it does seem like uh, face masks are becoming uh, the new norm, at least for the time being. And she's out of Chinatown in here in Vancouver. And uh, yeah, COVID chic, man. These things look good. I'm looking at them right now. Might as well, might as well support a local designer as if you're not going to make your own. Uh, pretty creative stuff. Support your local business and uh, keep everybody safe around you. I think that's a win. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, maybe we should uh, maybe we should cut. Oh, wait. Last before we cut to our talk with David Hutniak, we should just uh, one more plug: uh, the inaugural virtual open house we're doing uh, in Lower Lonsdale tomorrow. That's Sunday, two to three p.m. We'll both be there, uh, social distancing in a nice, very nice, large three bed, two bath, overlooking the water. Phenomenal. Uh, so come join us there, but, uh, maybe Adam, we should cut to our talk with, uh, Landlord BC CEO, David Hutniak. I, I, I thought you were actually going to say extra large, nice, uh, mask. Cause, cause you need the big <laughs> one to fit your dome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got the AW extra large and in charge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy this conversation with David Hutniak. Okay, so we're here with David Hutniak, CEO of Landlord BC. How are you doing, David? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, th thanks so much for taking the time today, David. Uh, can you start maybe by telling us a little bit about yourself and about Landlord BC? Yeah, well, Landlord BC is an industry association. We uh, represent uh, owners of, and managers of rental housing in British Columbia. Uh, we're a member-driven organization with about 3,300 members and, uh, you know, it uh, includes the largest owners and managers of rental housing in the province and also, you know, the many, many mom and pops as well who actually disproportionately represent our sector. And uh, we're an ad advocacy group at the end of the day, but also very much concerned about 
professionalizing the rental housing industry and ensuring that, uh, you know, uh, the landlord-tenant relationship is as positive as possible and uh, that the industry and and, uh, the housing we provide remains viable and grows uh, in the long term. Just a, a question about that, David, and I haven't thought much about this, and I don't know if you'd know the answer, but it does seem like, you know, we work with a lot of mom and pop investors and a lot of people who listen to the show are either have a couple doors or are interested in acquiring doors. Is is the lower mainland, uh, are there more mom and pop investors in the lower mainland than in other cities in Canada or North America? Um, it seems it's, I would guess that's probably the case, but I'd be curious on your thoughts and, and how that relates to kind of professionalizing, um, the sector. Well, I mean, it's true across the province. I mean, uh, we don't actually know exactly how many landlords there are, but we do know that there's, uh, in the order of 550,000, uh, households that for whom, uh, for whom we provide housing. And, uh, so consequently, um, there are many, many uh, small landlords. Uh, that's the bottom line. If we look at our own membership, uh, you know, two thirds of our members are small mom and pops and people with basement suites. So, you know, it's safe to extrapolate that across the province. And uh, really, it's I would say it's even higher higher than two thirds. So, the secondary market, as we call it, uh, is uh, you know hugely important for providing uh, long term rental housing. And at the same time, I mean, we're not a regulatory body. Like I said, we're an industry association. So, uh, yeah, there's some unique challenges with uh, engaging uh, those uh, small landlords. Uh, many of them don't uh, necessarily appreciate that, that they're running a business or that they're part of an industry. So that's a never-ending challenge. Uh, we try and do our best to, uh, you know, have them appreciate that, uh, uh, you know, there's a broader sector that they need to be concerned about, uh, that, uh, you know, they need to operate in an ethical and responsible fashion. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, their, uh, their support of our organization is important, uh, so that we can, uh, advocate on the, on the broader rental, uh, rental sector here in British Columbia. But yeah, hugely important housing. Uh, that's not going to change in the foreseeable future. We're not building enough purpose built rental and, uh, the odds that we will in the next, uh, you know, 10, 15 years are, are, I say, are pretty unlikely. So secondary market, uh, long-term rental housing, uh, hugely important. And we need these folks to be, uh, you know, financially viable, uh, which is uh, proven to be a huge issue with the COVID-19 uh, situation that we're facing right now. Yeah. Yeah. David, um, in, in thinking about COVID-19, d- does it resemble any other challenges that landlords have faced uh, that you can recall? Uh, none, to be honest with you. I mean, this is certainly uh, unprecedented, and uh, needless to say, you know, with the uh, it's a health crisis uh, first and foremost, and so uh, certainly it was uh, it was uh, not uh, unexpected that uh, the provincial government, really provincial governments across Canada, uh, invoked a you know a moratorium on on evictions and that includes uh, for non-payment of rent uh, because uh, you know like I said we have a health crisis here and, and uh, uh, you know social isolation and social distancing are pretty uh, pretty important so people need to be housed but that has uh, that has created a you know huge range of challenges for our sector and uh, I mean the entire sector is really vulnerable but I would say that uh, it's probably really the small mom and pops are, that are most vulnerable because many of them, uh, you know, have, who have basement suites, uh, um, you know, that's their home. They have a basement suite because they needed it to basically provide, uh, secure uh, their own housing. So if they have regular jobs. Many of them are ill or unemployed too now. And so it's, it's this multiplier effect, uh, that has, I think, uh, well, it's hit the whole sector, but uh, the small mom and pops are especially vulnerable. Are you are you hearing uh, from a lot of your members? Like, we're trying to get a sense of on the ground in the last couple of weeks, and and Adam and myself are both uh, work in real estate, so buying and helping people buy and sell real estate. But are 
are you hearing a lot about uh, people needing to defer their rent or, or being unable to pay their rent or, or just deciding they're not going to pay their rent? What, what are you hearing from your members? Well, sure. I mean, that's a uh, work in progress uh, in terms of tracking that, and it's, it has its challenges. Uh, I'll be honest with you. But, uh, you, you know, if we, we expected uh, to see, uh, uh, you know, some challenges for April. Uh, one of the things that we did really quickly uh, over a few weeks ago now, actually, we, we really proactive to this in the sense that we were reaching out to our members and, and the broader sector very quickly, too, that, you know, uh, suggesting, uh, well, more than that, highly, strongly encouraging landlords to start talking to their tenants and, uh, you know, find out what's what's happening and really get that communication uh, uh, moving along so that if there are going to be challenges that uh, they can work together to find sort of a mutually beneficial solution. We provided, you know, rent deferral agreements that they might employ just to get the conversation open here so that, uh, first of all, I mean, really important to make sure the renter feels that, you know, there's uh, some, uh, you know, degree of sensitivity and compassion coming from the landlord in this crisis but also, you know, so that they can work together to find solutions. So, so when we were going through that process, um, you know, we, we said from, from the beginning that, you know, April, you know, is probably going to be a challenge. And, and we have seen that, you know, there have been, um, you know, some uh, rent deferrals agreed uh, and some, uh, you know, have, folks haven't paid rent at all. Um, but I think April will probably end up not too, too bad, but we're more concerned, frankly, about May and June and, and beyond that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's such a balancing act here right now. So uh, renters have a responsibility to pay. Some can, some can't. We have an eviction moratorium, which, you know, we totally get. Uh, but the federal and provincial monies haven't started flowing Uh you know, so it's it's there's just so many moving parts here. Uh, I think April will prove to be, you know, uh, not bad overall, um, but uh, it it's also going to kind of depend upon almost by building by landlord to see how it totally unfolds. But but we're, we we're actively you know pursuing uh, continued dialogue with the provincial government because we're we're really concerned about uh, you know what unfolds for May and in June beyond, and they provided renter support, uh, you know, the rent supplement, you know, that, that still, that money hasn't come out yet, but, uh, we, we feel strongly that something more robust, uh, is going to be required here for the coming months. And, and the, the rent supplement, uh, is, is the $500 per month, correct? Yeah. I mean, we, right from the beginning again, like we, we've been dialoguing, uh, we have a, actually a very positive relationship with the provincial government and try to be a, you know, a, a, a good collaborator and, and partner in, in, in these challenging times. And so we were very much pushing for, uh, you know, really robust tenant uh, mentor supports. So, uh, and in fact, we were pushing sort of a rent bank concept, which, you know, for the full amount, uh, like a, a micro loans, uh, interest-free, et cetera, where we even suggested a hybrid sort of a rent bank with maybe a grant like they, they uh, you know, the $500 a month or something. They elected to go this way and that's their prerogative. So it's $500, but right now we have not had final confirmation whether it's per individual or per household. And um, the uh, application process we, we believe should be, you know, up and running um this week if everything goes as planned and uh it's a two-part process the tenant has to apply first and then the landlord has to provide uh, some additional uh, confirmation so uh and then the money uh, would go directly to the landlord it's it's uh being run through bc housing so i mean i you know nothing's perfect uh, i i give them full credit for you know trying to get everything uh, uh, with respect to this rent supplement up and running as quickly as possible you know these are hugely challenging times so so um you know like i said we're trying to support them in any way we can but but uh you know i think uh you know we're we're going to need something much more substantial because right now um the bottom line is that that $500 
uh, and, and I know you gentlemen are very familiar with rents in, in Vancouver. Uh, that that's going to be woefully inadequate for many renters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I th- I think that's a storage space in a shed. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, the the so I mean, there's a gap there, and and uh, right now the way it's structured, um, you know, that's falling on on the backs of our sector with no uh, you know no commitment to any sort of measures to mitigate that. And that's really, so we're spending a lot of time on that. Uh, and it's not unique to British Columbia. That's a national issue. And uh, so I'm part of a national uh, entity. I uh, just got off a conference call, in fact. So this is uh, talking to my colleagues in other provinces. We're all, we're all facing a similar challenge and, and renters across Canada are facing a similar challenge and certainly more pronounced in like Toronto and Vancouver even Victoria, you know, the higher cost areas. David, do you see uh, COVID-19 as, as kind of heightening some of the tensions between landlord and tenant? Or um, is there an opportunity here for increased communication and um, uh, kind of making a better relationship? <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a hugely challenging question and a very loaded one, my friend. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't mean to make light of it. Um, you know, what's un- what's disappointing, unfortunately, is definitely we are seeing, um, you know, a, a cohort of um, advocates who, you know, seem to be, uh, you know, focused on sort of pitting landlords against tenants and uh, which is really unfortunate. I mean, there, we, we have good relationships with, you know, sort of a, the uh, you know higher profile tenant advocacy groups and we work with them and, and meet and talk on a regular basis and you know we uh, we share we share many of the same concerns obviously you know um, we have some different perspectives but uh, in the context of COVID nineteen you know the end of the at the end of the day we need people to stay housed and we need to find uh, you know supports for the for renters but you know, uh, they know that our sector needs to remain viable uh, because if it isn't, uh, uh, you know, nobody wins and renters will ultimately uh, end up suffering. So so I, I would say that, um, you know, it is disappointing. We're seeing some, um, like I said, a cohort of advocates who are, you know, unnecessarily uh, encouraging uh, renters, uh, even if they can, to not pay rent and, and uh, sort of trying to leverage this opportunity, um, you know, really in a sort of a unnecessary and unfortunate direction. I mean, we are truly all in this together. And, uh, you know, this this uh, mental housing ecosystem is, you know, very uh, vulnerable to, to imploding. And I think uh, uh, people need to understand that. And that's, and that's why we need the uh, senior levels of government to uh, we we need a uh, you know sort of a, a backstop here from the feds and the province the provinces I guess to uh, for the for the sector um, uh, otherwise um, you know it's it's pretty it's pretty scary and I think in particular for again those mom and pops um, they're a very vulnerable group uh, so so we'll see you know it's it's uh, there's been some disappointing uh, sort of uh, rhetoric that uh, that we've seen, and it is what it is, I guess. Maybe maybe pulling back, kind of uh, uh, outside of our our, our current uh, times with COVID nineteen, and just kind of thinking about the NDP in general. I know you have a close relationship with the provincial government. Um, one of the first things the NDP did when they were elected was revise the Residential Tenancy Act. Um, do you think the new measures, or they don't feel that new anymore, but the new enough measures um, have been a positive, uh, a positive change for for the rental market? Well, I mean, uh, short answer is the Residential Tenancy Act in British Columbia is uh, the best one in the, in the country. Uh, it is largely balanced, and uh, I like I always like to say both. Uh, uh, tenants hate, hate the BC RTA and landlords hate the RTA. So that's, you got the perfect scenario. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no, we, we did 
support some changes. The one that I think got some initial um, reaction from our sector was the fixed-term tenancy with the vacate clause. Uh, the reality is that was being abused by, uh, you know, uh, or not being used as it was intended um, when it was first implemented many years ago. Um, the, the where there where there was uh, we had significant disagreement with uh, the the provincial government and, and the housing minister was um, you know back in September 2018 when uh, one of the sort of initial measures pushed out by that rental housing task force was to change the maximum allowable increase formula from two percent plus CPI to just to uh, just CPI. And that, uh, you know, that that was really uh, uh, something that we argued, you know, very very strongly against uh, their doing, and 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 I think, you know, it uh, really wish it hadn't happened. Uh, that that created, uh, you know, some some huge financial pressures, and uh, you know, we're now that with COVID nineteen here, we were. You know, working with them uh, since September 2018, uh, because at the same time they said, "Okay, well," but in in they would they announced that they would work with uh, with us to create uh, an additional rent increase uh, process, uh, a, a more robust one. And we were we were basically there in terms of having it all nailed down, and uh, it would have been introduced uh, uh, this uh, this month. So. But that's not happening oh. now. So, so that's uh, that was you know really that's going to be problematic, and I really have no no idea how that's going to unfold. But uh, it's obviously not a conversation that we're going to initiate at this point in time. What one thing, David, that struck me maybe going back to kind of the the seeming attempt to politicize the moment in terms of. Uh, you know, the relationship between landlords and tenants um, was you, you mentioned the word imploding. Um, and it seems like I, I would be curious to hear more about uh, the financial pressures, but why, why the, uh, the ecosystem is, is so, um, is, is so, uh, what's the word? Vulnerable. Vulnerable, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's wh- that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you with words. <laughs> the uh, it, it goes back to those mom and pops, uh, frankly, because uh, the other issue is uh, certainly in the in, in in the context of what you know, we've been hearing this uh, this notion of mortgage deferral by the big banks is. Uh, is uh, kind of a misnomer, um, and it's it's not happening uh, in any robust fashion. And certainly, you know, the folks who uh, you know who have a basement suite, um, they are particularly uh, um, you know um, less attractive to uh, to a bank at this juncture. If you're just a mortgage holder and you need to maybe negotiate a deferral. You know, you are likely to be more successful than a guy who has a mortgage and a basement suite. And now, all of a sudden, he's unemployed, or the whole family is, you know, has no revenue coming in, and and also they have no rent coming in. So all of a sudden, that changes the whole dynamic. So, so I think the small landlords looking for mortgage deferral are are more challenged, and there's a lot of them, and. Um, so you know that's uh, that's going to have a significant uh, negative uh, negative impact. And in, 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 as you gentlemen well know, I mean mortgage deferrals are not free. Uh, so right. it's the fees. There's interest upon interest. It's all repayable, et cetera, et cetera. So so I think you know in the broader context of this this COVID nineteen um, you know, challenge, uh, you know the 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 bottom line is that. At this juncture, the way it's structured, um, you know, there are, are have been no specific measures to to provide uh, uh, sort of a, a backstopping for for our sector, and and so what's going to happen? Let's just look three, four, five months from now, whenever this this you know, hopefully starts normalizing, is that there's going to be uh, you know rent deficits, um, unpaid rent. 
even the parole agreements, you know, they may be executed, but but there's a real risk that there's a, there'll be a whole bunch of uh, landlords who are going to have huge unpaid rent balances and the the likelihood of collecting those uh, unpaid or those outstanding balance uh, rent balances, you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty pretty challenging. Right. So so this is the you know the cumulative effect of that. Uh, I think just makes the sector really really vulnerable. And again, those small mom and pops I think are at the top of uh, the vulnerability uh, sort of scale. And and for somebody out there listening, and I hope there is no one, but there potentially is that that is kind of facing these challenges right now, where the rent wasn't paid in April, or they're already they're in discussions about the rent not being paid in May. Like it sounds like you guys are working hard to try and sort out some solutions here. But but in terms of advice for for folks right now, um, is it hang tight, or or what are, what kind of advice would you give? Well, okay, it's. it's- First of all, I think, yeah, we are uh, very actively involved in a sort of continuing dialogue with the province. The one thing that that we felt that, you know, some of the errors were made, uh, missteps were made, was, you know, there was con- there's been confusion. Uh, first of all, you know, they had said there's a rent freeze. They kept using that terminology, which was totally incorrect. There's, there is no rent freeze. There is a freeze on rent increases, but that's very different than a rent freeze. So that created some confusion with renters and even landlords for that matter. We had uh, members who had tenants come up to them and say, well, there's a rent freeze. I don't have to pay my rent. And we're saying, no, no, there's no rent freeze. <laughs> it's only on the increase, which is the 2.6%. So that was one thing. The other thing is, and, and I mean, certainly the premier and the housing minister did say, you know, they expect renters to pay their rent. I think, uh, you know, it was not uh, as clear and as forceful as it could have been. And certainly since then, um, you know, we've had multiple, um, you know, communication opportunities here. And certainly, uh, you know, Spencer Chandler Herbert was out there and, and certainly in additional uh, communication communiques that they pushed out, they've made it much more clear that the expectation is that uh, renters will pay their rent and we appreciate that some are simply not going to, but, uh, but they have a, a responsibility, a legal responsibility, but also, again, this goes back to, uh, you know, we have multiple people like uh, Evan Sedell, uh, the CEO of CMHC and other, other leaders uh, saying, you know, the whole, this is where the whole system becomes so vulnerable. Everybody needs to, Mortgage holders need to pay their mortgages. Uh, renters need to pay their rent. I mean, we've got to, you know, you, you have to find a way to do it. And uh, that may require tapping into some savings or whatever. But I mean, uh, the money, there is pretty robust programming from the Fed and various provinces are coming to the table as well. So, so we, we, we need to get to April here. Money is going to start being available. Um, but right now, Everybody, as landlords and tenants, need to, you know, understand their responsibilities, um, meet those responsibilities. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, hugely challenging, and I totally empathize with, uh, you know, uh, renters, but also small landlords in particular who, um, you know, maybe their bank isn't being as cooperative as possible. But I would say just, uh, you know be uh, be persistent <laughs> and uh you know um you got to do um, you got to do a lot of advocacy on your behalf here i guess and certainly we we have been very public about the fact that you know the big six banks uh uh you know the federal and provincial governments need to do more to get the, the big six banks in particular really understanding the dilemma that our sector is facing, not just mortgage holders, but uh, small landlords in particular. Right. You know, one one thing that I saw... online that you guys were advocating for and you mentioned it but not everyone is probably familiar with this idea of a rent bank uh can you can you speak a little bit about that and and what that is and and how it would help yeah thanks for asking that um yeah we 
Well, we're huge supporters of the rent bank concept. And there are about nine or 10 rent banks in British Columbia right now. And, and I've actually been uh, the Vancouver rent bank. I've been on the advisory committee for five years now. The rent bank concept is really simple. It's, it's, uh, it's micro loans basically that are repayable, uh, with no interest. And the way the, the whole rent bank system was originally set up was basically, you know, if someone, a renter, you know, just whatever. I mean, anybody can have a, you know, a, a, a blip in their financial, um, situation. So it was really driven by the desire not to have uh, people evicted because they can't meet their rent, but it was a short term solution. So it would be like for one or two months or three months that the rent bank uh, would, uh, would extend uh, monies to cover the individual's rent. And so they would make an application. Like I said, they had to, you know, um, meet uh, pretty rigid criteria and, and the rent, uh, the, the loan is repayable over you know, some period of time, but uh, the rent bank would extend the monies directly to the landlord. And, and it was just, uh, you know, uh, really, uh, it's a great vehicle. Um, and, uh, you know, it exists in Ontario, but, uh, the provincial government actually, you know, I guess, 2018 budget was it or yeah 2019 my apologies for forgetting when you know uh, basically uh, allocated 10 million dollars to create a broader uh, more robust network but uh, but they you know the existing network network is small and don't have huge loan capital you know so they could not realistically handle uh, you know a you know, province-wide rent bank for tens of thousands of applicants, but the concept could have been accomplished, in our view, and this this would have allowed them to to provide uh, you know larger amounts of support, more in line with the actual monthly rents. And uh, you know, we we have suggested you know they get CMHC to backstop the financial risk. So just, you know, there's there's a lot of different conversations around this, and like I said, it's just uh, they, they elected to go this route with just the three-month grant, and uh, I think it's you know it's going to be very challenging at this juncture to uh, sort of reinstitute the conversation around a rent bank. So uh, you know we're we're kind of moving to other solutions here, and and uh, you know I, I would say the rent bank is off the off the table at this juncture. What in your mind, and I know we're early days and it does feel like, you know, there's been some optimistic news in the last couple of days, but also the situation is changing so quickly, so won't hold you to it. But the long-term impact uh, of COVID-19 on on uh, the rental market here in, in Vancouver in terms of people wanting to get into the market, or do you see any long-term, uh, long-term changes due to COVID-19? Well, I, I you know... Uh, let me get my crystal ball out here. Just give me a sec here. <laughs> and my and my my Karnak uh, hat. You guys are too young. you guys are too young to know that. <laughs> but nevertheless, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I think we're going to come out of this with a very different <laughs> mental housing sector. I think, uh, like again, if if we don't get the sort of necessary backstopping, I think. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be huge challenges again, particularly for that smaller landlord. But but even the, the larger folks, I think, you know, we're we're probably going to see over the next handful of months here, you know, more people struggling to pay their rent. So that's that's a that's a huge negative. Uh, we're probably going to see higher vacancy rates. Um, so, you know, at the end of all of this, it's, it's going to be really hard to see, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of the whole viability of the sector. Um, there's maybe many who just disappear from it, um, which would be unfortunate. And then it's going to be a, the issue will be, you know, how, how, what is the business case for building more rental on purpose built rental? I'm talking about in particular. So there is, uh, you know, significant uncertainty. Um, I mean, you know, we'll, we're going to get through this, but we're going to look, I, I think, quite quite different. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, that's going to have impact uh, impacts on on our sector and the folks who are part of it. But it's also going to have an impact on on renters. So, like I said, that's that whole ecosystem is it's going to be really important that we work uh, together with government and and really, you know, 
you know, demonizing landlords is not a good idea. Uh, it never has been. And certainly, you know, landlords need to be continue to be compassionate and sensitive to to tenants. Uh, we've, we've got a, there has to be sort of a, you know, a, a collective uh, effort here. Uh, we house over 30% of BC households in British Columbia, and that's pretty consistent across the country. So it's a hugely important housing typology. And, uh, you know, next to uh, food, uh, shelter is pretty much the only other thing we care about right now. Well, health, I guess, because of the virus. But those are the three most important things. Your fancy car doesn't really, really, uh, you know, make any difference at this point in the in terms of the whole pyramid of needs, does it? Right. And and as I understand, I guess the the logic there is is fewer players in in the marketplace. In the end, means less rental stock. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the one of the possibilities. Um, but you know, it's that's. It, it, I think it's you know it's it's going to probably initially there probably probably will be players disappearing. There will be higher vacancies for those in, in some of the buildings for those who survive. Those will quickly fill up because we have huge demand here. Is that you know uh, at the end of the day, and as the economy reinvigorates, yeah, I mean it, it's so it could it could be more units available briefly, and then it could be much worse in terms of vacancy rates, even getting tighter than they were before. So I, I that again I this is just uh, you know a very uh, <laughs> you know, this is unprecedented. This is, these are we've never seen this before. But that I think, as we, as our industry group here, we talk with my colleagues. I think that's that's kind of one of the scenarios that we see. Well, David, uh, maybe we'll leave it there. But we we do want to go out on a. These are these are kind of um, uh, gloomy times right now, but in an effort to kind of go out on a positive note, we have five lighthearted questions about you and Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? Sure. Okay. okay. So question number one, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Oh, I'm on the West End. Ah, the good one. Is that is that where you currently live? No, I do not, no. Okay. But uh, it's, a, it's a great one. Daughter, I have a daughter who lives there, and it's, it's uh, I moved here from Toronto many years ago, and I remember going to the West End and thinking, my God, this is crazy. Look at all the density and tree-lined streets, and it's, you know, it's just an amazing neighborhood. I love it. Perfect. Yeah, it's pretty pretty unique for sure. Uh, favorite, ba- favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver? Favorite bar or restaurant? Well, Blue Water Cafe is, uh, <laughs> I think, still still my favorite Um so now my wife has has become a, a vegan, so it's uh, and it's a little awkward going for dinner by myself. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's the first time we've had Blue Water Cafe, but that's a that's a great spot. Yeah. Um, what, what is one piece of advice that you'd give your eighteen year old self? Oh my god! Um, don't go on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know, man. It's just save your money. Don't squander it. How about that? That's a good one. That's a good one. Is there one book uh, that that you would definitely recommend our listeners read? Um, hmm. Landlord-related or not? Well, you know, Wealthy Barber. Uh, Chilton, I think, you know, really nailed it. In fact, Assuming our AGM goes forward in October, David Chilton is actually our keynote speaker. Oh, so nice! That's kind of a, yeah, it's very cool. I think you know he's he's a very practical advice, funny guy. Um, you know, and a more current one is uh, Larry Beasley's uh, Vancouverism. Uh, if you guys haven't read it, you should. It's really really a good book. We had Larry on we the have. program uh yeah a few oh. times and he's and and actually we we've we've given away probably what about 85 copies of his book on this podcast oh, there you go. or so so we yeah we're big fans and big fans. Yeah, big, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's a smart guy. Yeah. And and the final final question here and thanks again for sticking around David. Um what is something you've bought for under $1000 that's had a positive impact on your life? 
under a thousand dollars. Um, well, <laughs> you know, this is probably going back a few years now, but I, I was an early adopter of mountain biking with a group of friends of mine. And we were much younger then. And I, I, my first mountain bike was actually a Rocky Mountain um, stump jumper. And I paid, well, I paid $1,100. Sorry about that. But it was a pretty, a pretty rudimentary mountain bike. But man, I had a lot of fun with that. And that really, you know, was a life-changing thing. We had uh, great, so much exercise, great, uh, you know, friendships. And, uh, you know, still one of the best investments I ever made. Great. Was that in BC or in Toronto? That was here it was in, here. in uh, oh, British okay. Columbia. Yeah. Very nice. Well, and it, and it speaks to the moment right now. At least I feel like I'm out biking more than I have uh, been for some time. Just to, yeah, to for mental health. This mental health. Yeah, I know. I'm. I have. I'm on a treadmill here, and uh, it's yeah. It's really not about the physical. It's about the mental. And I hope everybody. You know, just takes care of themselves and take care of each other, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy. But uh, look forward to getting to the other side, right? Uh, absolutely, no kidding, and, and, no kidding. And David, how how can people find out more about what you're doing, and uh, of course, Landlord BC? Yeah, well, I mean, the easiest way is just go to our website at uh, landlordbc.ca. We have a COVID nineteen portal and. A blog and we're on social media. Um, we've been pushing out. Uh, I really, my, my, my team here has been phenomenal. We've been pushing out so much information to help landlords and, and, uh, you know, encouraging renters to read our content as well, but just, uh, that sample, you know, agreements that they can use for deferral of rent, et cetera. Just tons of really, really good information. It was a huge webinar with about eight or 900 people attending recently. Last week, I guess it was. So, yeah, so if you're a landlord, landlordbc.ca, go to the website. There's a just scroll down a bit to see a COVID-19 portal. You should check it every day. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, David, for your time. Really appreciate it. There's a ton of useful information there and a lot of thought-provoking information as well. Well, thanks for inviting me and uh, look forward to meeting you guys someday when we uh, can get rid of this social distancing (laughs) stuff, okay? Absolutely. (laughs) No kidding. Have a great day, David. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Landlord BC's CEO, David Hutniak. Really enjoyed our conversation with David. Would love to get him back on the program, uh, although fingers crossed <laughs> after the five wire. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I do think this is a, a moment. David's obviously a very busy guy. Landlord BC's uh, doing a lot of, uh, of really positive work in terms of relations between landlords and tenants and making sure that the, those relations are, are positive. But there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's a busy moment for, for David and his team. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we didn't want to... Um, uh, I, I think some of the questions we were asking were quite loaded, and I think David... David caught on that, on, onto that, but I, I think that's the challenge right now is that uh, rent has become politicized in this kind of crazy way uh, very recently, and and if you want to learn more about that, just go on Twitter, right? <laughs> Twitter's a place. Twitter's a place to find out more about the politicization <laughs> of paying rent. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was a it was a great conversation, and uh, so hopefully uh, everyone found that useful and, and enjoyable. But what else do we got today, Adam? We're still doing two episodes every week, so we'll be back next week with two more episodes for you. If you're interested in all that we have to offer in terms of the back catalog and all the updated information, you can head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. That's where we put everything we're doing. Uh, really uh, excited about that website. And if you want to talk to me about that, about real estate, about this virtual open house we're doing tomorrow from 2 to 3 or anything else, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that Sella Dwella line. 
Saladuela info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I'm not even sure if Secret still stills alive shout while out, working. Shout out to Secret. <laughs> Somebody's editing this podcast. I'm not sure who. It's a, it's, <laughs> anyway, Secret, if you're out there, reach out. Send some. Send yeah, a smoke yeah. signal. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of the weekend, guys, and we'll be back next week. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.